This is Building Resilience Podcast, episode 149, Feeling Hard Feelings. Welcome to Building Resilience, a podcast where theory, practical strategies, and inspiring stories show you how to unlock your best life. I'm your host, Leah Davidson. As a certified life coach, speech-language pathologist, and nervous system resilience expert, it is my mission to teach you how to be more resilient to life's adversities. I will show you how to manage your mind, befriend your nervous system, process your emotions, and even eliminate stress. It's time to do more than just survive. It's time to thrive. Let's get started. Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast. I am happy to have you here. Welcome if this is the first time you've been here. And if you are a listener who has been here a while, then thank you. I will just ask you a quick favor. If you haven't left a review, please head on over to wherever you listen to this podcast, whatever platform, and leave a review. It really helps people to find the podcast and helps me to have a greater reach. So I'd greatly appreciate it. And thank you for your loyalty and listening. Now, if you have been around for a long while, you may know that we have talked about feelings before on the podcast, way back at the beginning of the podcast, episode 11, episode 12. But I thought it was really important that we revisit this topic. Now, a couple episodes back, I had my daughter-in-law, Rachel, on, and we were talking about tough emotions. She's dealing with all these complicated layers of emotions after losing her brother to suicide a couple of months ago. And on that episode, which was called Dealing with Loss, Rachel said she was feeling emotions that she had never expected or even really felt before. Grief can be very complicated because there are so many layers of emotions. So today, I want to talk a bit more about feelings. We live in a world where feelings have not been readily accepted. We use thoughts to communicate with ourselves, but feelings are the language of the body. And it's harder for us to understand. Words and thoughts often function as a distraction from feelings. We are much better at describing our thought processes than our feelings. And the more we practice our thoughts, the better we get at our thoughts. So we need to get better with our feelings. When we are able to just sit with our feelings, we actually learn that they are not permanent. Just like our thoughts are not permanent and we need to process them. Feelings have important messages for us, and unprocessed feelings are energy, and if they're not processed, they do need to go somewhere, and then they often get stored in our body. We can't think our way out of a feeling. In order to heal, we need to feel. The more we focus on the cognitive, the more we lose touch with our body. So there are different ways that people deal with their feelings usually. And most of the ways are like coping strategies. We talked about this back on those earlier episodes, but I do want to do a quick review here. There are four main ways that you can deal with your feelings or emotions. And I'm just going to use the words feelings and emotions interchangeably, although there is a difference. But for the purpose of our discussion today, I'm just going to use them interchangeably. Now, these are the most common coping strategies. And we all do a mix of all of them, although some of us have certain preferred methods. The first way is to resist them. This is like when you're arguing with the feelings in your head. 
you're trying to push them away with a thought. Like you're trying to think of an image, pushing like a beach ball underwater. You can keep it under, but eventually it's going to want to pop up. The emotions that we typically resist are usually internal ones like shame, disappointment, blame, guilt, anxiety, uncertainty, desperation, fear, determination. We don't like those emotions, so we tend to resist them. So resistance can come in different forms. It can look like that you are all consumed by the emotion and your brain just can't think of a thought at all. It can look like you're fighting the emotion. So the emotion can be very overwhelming and you just can't be in the present moment. You can look like you're constantly trying to control the circumstances. You're trying to micromanage everything. You're trying to fix things so you don't have to feel things. You're trying to make everything better. You're trying to find a solution. And you may layer on other emotions to not feel the emotion that you're resisting. For example, maybe if you're resisting anxiety, you're going to hide it with anger or with frustration. Really what it looks like when you're resisting is you're arguing with reality. This should never have happened. Why did this happen? I can't believe this happened. We may even try to talk ourselves into feeling differently. And this is what resistance looks like. It's like we're pushing up against the emotion. We don't want it to be there. Now, the second way we deal with emotions is through reacting. And this is kind of like you just vomit your emotions on somebody else. When we react to an emotion, it's usually because we believe that somebody or something else outside of us caused it. So the emotions that we react with are usually more external emotions like frustration and hurt and anger and unappreciation and resentment. And it can look like yelling or freaking out or slamming doors or stomping or lashing out or disengaging, being impatient, ignoring somebody. But it can also look like self-pity or feeling invisible or stewing or sulking or behaving like a martyr. So we lash out at others or we lash out at ourselves when we are reacting. Now, the third way we typically deal with feelings is to avoid them. And we can use the terms like buffering or distracting. We develop ways to cope to avoid feeling the emotion to numb them out. Now, I do want to offer here that sometimes distraction can be helpful. Sometimes we need to give ourselves some space and we're not in the position to deal with our emotions in that moment. So a healthy distraction can be a good thing. But when I'm talking here, I'm talking about when we truly just avoid the emotion, we don't want to deal with it at all, we numb out, and what it can show up as is what I call the over things, overeating, over drinking, over spending, over working, over social media, over shopping. It can show up as some type of an addiction, which is an over of something. Anything that we overdo that leads us to a negative net result. So the avoidance, the buffering, the distraction is really what it's going to look like when we're trying to avoid it. All right. Those were the three ways that we often cope. And unfortunately, those three ways don't allow us to really feel the feeling and to process it. So we want to learn how do you feel it? How do you process it? And the healthy way to do that, we're going to talk about now. A couple of things I want you to remember about feelings. Your feelings are like a dashboard on your car. They are not a problem. 
They're just an indicator that something needs checking. Now, we don't need to treat our emotions or our feelings like a disease or something that needs to be fixed. Just because something feels bad does not mean it is bad. So we want to learn to look at our emotions like they're simply the lights on our dashboard, low fuel. If you ignore it, you will run out of gas. Low fuel, though, just means you need servicing, so you need to take care of it. It means we need to be tender. When we see low fuel, it means there's clean pain there. We don't want to cause dirty pain then if we can help it. Now, if you're wondering what I'm talking about, about dirty pain and clean pain, you can go back and re-listen to episode 76 because I dove into it there. The second thing to remember is when you pick a fight with your emotions or feelings, they tend to fight back. Problem solving, say your anxiety, can lead to panic. If you're ruminating on anger, that could lead to rage. If you're criticizing your sadness, this can lead to depression. So you want to be working more on your relationship with your feelings. Your feelings are messengers to be listened to. They're not enemies that we have to go up against and fight. Now, it's important to get in the habit of describing your feelings in plain language because not only will it help you not escalate those feelings, but it sends a message to your brain that no matter how uncomfortable the feeling is, it's not dangerous. We'll talk about a bit more about that in a second. Now, feelings, as we know, based on the model that we've talked about before, generally are created by your thoughts. So you think a thought, and then it stirs up all these emotions. But we have to remember our thoughts are firstly fueled by the state of your nervous system. And we talked about this back on episode 121, the three stories you tell. If you are on Team Hyper, your thoughts are going to be one of hyperactivation, maybe nuance with danger, aggression, anxiety, hurry, chaos, worry. That's going to be their flavor. So then your feelings will follow suit, anger, rage, anxiety, annoyance. Now, once we regulate ourselves, we can reintroduce our CEO, get her back on board to help us evaluate things, to see if our thoughts are helping or hurting us. Now, our thoughts are simply sentences in our brains. They're completely optional. They are not always accurate. Dr. Daniel Amen, he says, don't believe every stupid thought you have. And I couldn't agree more. So we want to be careful about believing all our thoughts, which in turn lead you to believe you have to feel the way that you're feeling. You are genuinely feeling that way, but we also want to take a look at the source and see what and why that feeling is being created. And again, I do want to mention feelings are not permanent. And we'll go into this in a little bit, but feelings are not permanent. This too shall pass, good or bad. Now, many things we try to do are around either just doing nothing with our emotions or just trying to cope with our emotions. But we don't want to just cope with our emotions. We want to allow them. We want to process them. We want to heal. To process our emotions, we actually have to get into our body. Now, that's not to say we don't use our thinking skills when we deal with emotions. We actually do. We do need our CEO to regulate our emotions, as I just talked about. And there are some CEO things that we need our brains to do. And again, sorry to keep repeating this, but it bears repeating because of how important it is. In order to access our CEO and to process our emotions, we need to have regulated nervous systems. So this is always the place to start, reminding ourselves that we're safe, 
scanning for tension, and then relaxing the body. Now, the next thing I want to share with you, there are sort of three things that can get you kick-started, especially when dealing with difficult emotions. These are three things that you're going to want to do in preparation for actually processing the emotion. The first thing to do is to validate yourself. And what this means is simply acknowledging what you are feeling. It is what it is. Your feelings are real and they count. You can also start to notice what's happening in your body and just noticing it, acknowledging it, allowing it. It's there. An emotion is there. Now, you can validate yourself that the emotion is there. What can get tricky is when we start talking about validating ourselves. We don't need others to validate the emotions for us in order for them to be real. Now, that's not to say that it's not nice if somebody acknowledges it or that it is helpful and that we do want partners, we do want people in our life who will validate and acknowledge our feelings because it does feel good and we get a little hit, we get a little dopamine hit when we get it, but we don't need it nor do we want to rely on it. But it is important to understand our feelings are very, very real. We can validate them. They exist. They are there. And as we validate these feelings, it is what it is. Here they are. This is what I'm feeling. We head into the next step, which is to normalize them. We actually want to blanket both these stages of validation and normalization with non-judgment. Not judging whether you should or should not feel something or whether others think you should or should not feel something, whether it should be gone by now, whether you shouldn't have to feel this anymore, whether it makes sense or not, just drop the judgments. Judging can actually increase the discomfort we have and it can create that dirty pain that I mentioned earlier. So you wanna be more like a scientist exploring, not a judge judging. It is what it is, acknowledging that this feeling has come for a visit, who knows how long it is here to stay, but that's okay. We welcome all emotions. We're sending messages of safety to your brain and body when we do this. We're sending messages saying, I'm okay to just be with this emotion. It's real, it's happening, and it's here. The next thing you want to do is normalize this emotion. And we do this by saying things like, of course I feel this way. It makes sense that I feel this way. Other people would feel this way too. You're not alone. And this is sort of where we're pulling in that component of self-compassion, that common humanity. This is where you recognize emotions and feelings are normal. They're expected. Life is full of ups and downs. And there are a lot of hard emotions that we have at different times of life. So it's normal to be feeling these things. You are not alone. And the last of these three steps before we dive into actually processing the feeling is give permission for yourself to feel. This can kind of be hard, but it's really allow yourself to feel. Sometimes, especially if when we were younger, we were told to stop crying or stop being mad or stop sulking, it may be hard to feel that we are allowed to feel but you are allowed to feel however you feel and you need to feel. So give yourself that permission to feel. And I just wanna say here, we have likely all told people, our own kids, ourselves, to stop crying, to suck it up. 
We've not done a good job at dealing with emotions in society of helping each other allow them and process them. So it may actually be hard to give yourself permission to feel, but it can be very helpful. All right, now you've validated, normalized, and feel like you're allowed to feel. Now we get to actually feel. Well, how do you do this? It can seem sort of, I don't know what you're talking about, Leah, when you say feel your feelings. Well, firstly, you do have to get into your body. We often use our cognition alone. Now, we need to also use our cognition because we need to have language. Often we use language to describe how we feel, but we really need to get into our body first. So the first thing that we do, and I'm going to say the first thing that we do, these are steps that we can take, but you don't necessarily have to do them in this exact precise order, although it may be helpful at first if you're unfamiliar with feeling your feelings. The first thing is you're going to name your feeling. You're going to name it with an emotion word, usually just one word, frustration, anxiety, worry, shame, sadness, fear, dread, overwhelm, loneliness, homesick. You want to name it to tame it. Sometimes people do have a hard time coming up with the vocabulary. So there's a couple of things. There's things like feeling wheels that you can find online that just give you the idea of what some of these words are. But sometimes it may be helpful to skip ahead to some of the future steps and start describing what's going on in your body and then giving it a label. Now, back on episode 127, it's called Affect Labeling. I talked about how when you label a feeling, when you put feelings into words, what fMRIs have shown is that it reduces activity in your amygdala, which is a fear center, and it increases activation in the right ventral lateral prefrontal cortex, which inhibits the parts of the brain that are responsible for emotional pain. So naming your feeling actually reduces the conscious experience your physiological reaction and behavior, and it sends a message to the subconscious that the feeling is not to be feared. So naming the feeling on its own can cause changes in the brain, which can actually diminish the intensity of what you're feeling. That's the power of naming a feeling. Now, secondly, you've named it or you're getting some support, maybe somebody's helping you identify what that feeling is, you're looking at a feeling wheel, or maybe you're jumping ahead and describing it a little bit just to get a sense of what is this feeling. You get better at feelings as you practice them. So if you're a little bit unsure at first, don't worry about it, just keep going. And if you can't find the label, then what you're gonna do is you're gonna step into your body. Emotions are just chemicals that are vibrating in your body. And we'll talk about more about this in a minute as well. But what happens is you think a thought, your body releases the appropriate chemical, and that chemical vibrates through your body. So you're just going to ask yourself, where do you feel? It's essentially, where do you feel that chemical centered in your body? Now, you might feel it in many places in your body, but where is it centered? Where is the root? Where does it begin? Where does it live? Now, for many people, we do feel a lot of things in our core, in our abdomen or in our chest. Now, once you've located where it is, the third thing you're going to do, you're going to relax into it. Now, most of us want to resist the emotion. We want to tense up. We want to tighten up. But instead, we want to relax. So just think about relaxing all your muscles, relaxing your hands, 
your shoulders, your neck, your face. Go through your body consciously trying to relax it. You may want to do some breathing here, breathing in through the nose. You can do something like the 478 technique where you breathe in through the nose for a count of four, hold for a count of seven, exhale through the mouth for a count of eight, and repeat that several times because it's hard to stay tense when you are trying to focus on some exhalation when you're breathing. Now, when you relax into it, at this point, you don't need to use language to describe it. You can just allow yourself to feel, to sit with it, and just notice what it's like in your body. After you do that, you may want to try to answer a question like, well, what does it feel like? You may want to describe it or picture it. And so this is the fourth step. You're going to feel the feeling. And then what does it feel like having this feeling in your body? And describing it can be helpful. Again, that labeling piece. Is it a tightness? Is it a buzz? Is it a heaviness? A pressure? A sensation? A tight sensation in one part of your body versus another? Is it a fullness in your whole body? How would you describe it? Think about describing it to somebody who has no clue what it would ever feel like. You want to use basic terms. We're not trying to get very dramatic or elaborate here. In fact, we kind of want to keep it very clinically descriptive because we're not trying to get all amped up again with the language that we use. And that's why we want to keep the drama out of the language. So instead of saying like, oh, I feel the pressure like there's a Mack truck sitting on my chest crushing me to death. We might just simply say, I feel a heaviness and there's a tightness that's weighing down on my chest. Next, you can picture it. What does it look like? Can you think of what color it is? Does it have a certain shape, a certain texture? Is it hot or soft or prickly or fast moving? When you are describing it, whether you're just thinking about describing it or using language out loud, you're using your cognition, yes. But you are sending a message to your brain that this emotion is actually safe. There's nothing dangerous about emotions. And it is important to send your brain this message. And that's what happens as we describe it. Our brain is like, well, she's describing it, so it must be okay. Now, some people may find they want to have other ways to creatively express their feelings. So be open to it all. Do you feel like moving? Do you feel like dancing? Do you feel like expressing yourself creatively or journaling? There's lots of ways that you can express and allow this feeling to come out of you as part of your expression and description. So don't limit yourself to language. You can use movement. You can use writing, you can use creativity to help express it. Now, the fifth thing we want to do is just allow it until it subsides. So we're getting back into the body of feeling it. So as you describe it, or after you've described it, you really want to make sure you're still getting in, going back in on an ongoing basis into your body to feel it. Now, technically, emotions take 90 seconds to process. Dr. Jill Bolt-Taylor, she's a neuroscientist who has a TED Talk and a book, I think it's called My Stroke of Insight. And she suggests that when an emotion is triggered, chemicals are released by your brain and then they surge through your body. They activate bodily sensations, which is this neural firing pattern that are unique to each person. 
as the chemicals are completely flushed out of your bloodstream and the physiological feelings subside, it feels as if a wave has passed and it takes about 90 seconds for them to be flushed out. But you're going to ask the obvious question, why does it feel so much longer? Because I can tell you, Leah, some of my emotions last way longer than 90 seconds. Well, there's a couple of reasons. Firstly, there's often excess cortisol that is released. So that can cause the effect that the feeling is there longer. But she says that it's mainly because of rumination. We continue thinking similar thoughts over and over and over. And the brain does this because it's trying to make sense about everything. But every time you think about the situation, you are triggering that same biochemical wave. So you experience approximately the same bodily sensations tied to the emotion, the memory, or the situation. So it is actually your memory of the emotions, not the emotion itself that will last for minutes and hours and days and years and perhaps even decades past the initial events. And often, the more you try to avoid or not think about something, the more you try to suppress it or distract or disconnect, the longer it actually takes to move through the painful or unpleasant memories and resolve their accompanying feelings. So it's that example of try not to think about the pink elephant. Well, the more you try to suppress the pink elephant, the more you'll actually think about the pink elephant. Now, allowing emotions is really allowing all the bodily sensations as well. Feelings are actually temporary. Making your way through the feeling, especially uncomfortable ones, mainly involves tolerating the bodily sensations until the body is able to re-regulate. Now, we know that the body prefers to be at homeostasis and will try to get back to its baseline as quickly as possible. So you need to just allow the waves you need to tolerate the 90-second waves. Often people ask, okay, well, how long do I have to do this? How long do I have to process it? Well, unfortunately, there's no set time. It depends on how long it sticks around for you. But it will come and go like waves lapping on a beach. You will feel it, and you want to lean into the feeling. You don't want it to completely overcome and overtake you. You want to lean into it. You want to describe it. You want to relax into it. Maybe try to picture it, and then you're going to wonder where it went. And then a few minutes later, it may come back. So you're going to do the same process again. You're going to lean into it, describe it, relax into it, picture it, keep going, doing that over and over. Be willing to process it as long as it takes. And yes, This can be really difficult, so it can be helpful if you have somebody supportive that is with you. Eventually, it loses its power as you keep processing it. It does take 90 seconds, and it will move through you in 90 seconds until you think about it again, and then it will start over again. So this is an ongoing process that we want to be doing. Now, some people may say, well, if I invite it in, and if I breathe into it, and if I allow it, It's going to be 10 times worse. I just want to resist it. But actually, it's the opposite that happens. Why? Because the chemical that gets released when you first feel the emotion, you need it to cycle through your body. You don't want to be resisting it or avoiding it, and it stays in your body. You need to get it cycled through your body, and then the brain gets to stop releasing it because you've acknowledged it, and then it will actually go away. 
It's really the resisting of an emotion that builds up a lot of pressure. Now, lastly, I want to remind you, take care of your body. Processing emotions can be exhausting. It can take a toll on you. So making sure you're getting enough movement, nutrition, hydration, sleep. It is much better to feel good overall when we are taking care of the basic pillars of our health. So be mindful to take care of you. All right, that's the process. Feelings can be overwhelming. They can be scary. We're really not used to dealing with them. We don't know how to deal with them. So hopefully you're ready to try out these steps. And just to review and recap, we're going to validate and acknowledge that the feelings are there. They exist and they're real. We're going to normalize them. Of course you feel that way. It's normal to feel that way. Then you're going to give yourself permission to actually feel. It's okay to feel. You are allowed to feel. You have a right to feel. Then we're going to name it because we name it to tame it. Find it in your body so you can get in your body. Relax into it. Then describe it, picture it, feel it, allow it. 90 seconds is what it takes over and over like waves. And that's what I have for you today. I hope you found it helpful. If feeling feelings is hard for you, it's okay. It just means that you need a little bit more practice and we start with baby steps. Start with just validating that you actually have feelings. We can just keep practicing and practicing because there are certainly enough feelings that we all have to feel. Have a great week, everyone, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Building Resilience Podcast. If you're interested in learning a little bit more about managing stress, building resilience, and leading a more purposeful life, then make sure we're connected on Instagram and Facebook at Leah Davidson Life Coaching. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter at www.leahdavidsonlifecoaching.com forward slash newsletter. Looking forward to connecting. 